of our pastors, Pastor Chris and Leah and Mike and Elizabeth. This is Pastor Appreciation Month, so make sure you love on them a little extra and appreciate them for all they do for us. Amen. 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 All right, we're going to jump. I'm not trying to cut your applause short. Go for it. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, you do. Um, we're going to open up with a scripture of Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 34 and 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the privilege to bring to my family what you have been speaking to me. And Lord, I just ask that you anoint my words and let them be yours and not mine. And God, we just pray protection over Pastor Elizabeth and Mike as they share a word this morning and as they travel back. Lord, just bring them back safely. We just praise you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, the title of my message today is All In. So, for those that take notes. Um... I don't know about you, but I think that relationships are hard, and I think that maybe they wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the other person, right? Like, if, if it was just us, it would be okay. Um, if, because everybody has their own, you know, agenda and their own preferences, and, and if they just knew what we need when we needed it and how we wanted it, right, it would all work out great, right? But it doesn't do that often. Um, as of Friday, Jeremy and I have been married for 16 years, so... <laughs> Um, and we dated for five years before we got married, so you could say that I knew what I was getting into then. I really know now, but I'm still thankful that I did it. So it's been an adventurous 16 years, to say the least, um, but I'm glad you're my partner. It's crazy, crazy life we have here. Um, but marriage is hard, um, and for those who are married, I'm just going to put in a shameless plug for Susie and Mike's marriage life group. It meets the first Thursday of the month. So the next one is the seventh, I think. So uh, please mark your calendars and come and you, I promise, won't regret that. But one thing that they said that resonated with me is the concept of marriage isn't to make you happy, it's to make you holy. Um, And anybody who has experienced that knows that's to be true. That happiness is temporary and circumstantial, but holiness is forever. When I say holiness, I mean what the definition is, is purifying you and and making you you know morally perfect which anybody you know most of us can say that we are right all the time but but we're not but holy is being truly morally uh correct so um but it takes work and it takes sacrifice but i feel like that's true of all relationships right your your parenting relationships your dating relationships your friendships your work relationships your church relationships they all have a glorious way of drawing out every ounce of selfishness that we have right we because we, we all have our own agendas or our own wants our own concepts of how things should be done and the timeline in which they should be done and unfortunately in relationships the other person doesn't always feel that way right um, I think it was uh, Tim Hawkins that said, whoever wrote uh, Easy Like Sunday Morning didn't take their kids to church every week, right? So, can I get an amen? <laughs> um, and I promise you that every morning when I'm getting my kids ready for school, it's like, this is not going to be the morning where I lose it. Like, and I start, like, I'm singing them songs and good morning, sweetheart, and let's go. And, like, it's all happy and cheery. And then, like, 
couple minutes before it's time to the bus, we make the transition from Mother Teresa to Medea, right? Where it's like, where are your shoes? Boy, if I come back here and you're still sitting right there. Right, right, okay. Maybe, maybe it's just me. So y'all can, y'all can pray for me. But anyway, um, uh, but parenting and marriage and family relationships, they definitely have a way of refining you. And they can draw out the best and the worst in you. And why is that? I think it's because if we are going to have healthy relationships, they demand all of us. And all means all. And it means that that you need love and patience and grace and mercy and forgiveness and selflessness. And it's always when you least feel like giving those things, right? And it means that you're going to have to give up yourself when you have nothing left. Like when your kid pukes at 3 a.m., right? When your friend is having a tough day, but so are you. You know, when, when your spouse wants a hug, but you just want to be left alone. Um, when you're tired, but you have to get up and go to work. And I know that some of us are already feeling the Monday morning struggle, and it's, it's not even here yet. But yeah, it's all right. I'll get take the feedback where I can get it. Um, this isn't to say that you don't take care of yourself. Let me be clear about that. Like, we need healthy boundaries. You can't just pour out and never fill your own tank, right? You have to, like they say, you know, put on your oxygen mask first before assisting other people. And that's true. You're not made to be the world's doormat. But love means that your needs and wants, that are, we can't always put ourselves first in line when it comes to that. For relationships to be healthy and successful, we have to be all in. And I want to talk to you this morning about the concept of being all in um, as it relates to our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And this is something that God has really been working hard into my life. So um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been it's, it's been awesome. It's been a great growing journey. Um, but it's really worth the results, even when it's tiresome. Um, I feel like the Lord is always trying to draw us into that deeper relationship with him because he wants to be fully known the same way that he fully knows us. In Psalm 139, it says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the night will, the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. Excuse me. For the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me. Are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That last line really caught my attention as I was studying for this morning. When I am awake, when I awake, I am still with you. I believe that God wants us to awake and realize that He's with us. 
he's always with us and he wants to engage in our day to day. I know that I can go through almost a whole day completely oblivious to the presence of God because I'm so distracted. But he's there and he wants us to awake and realize that he's there with us and wants us to engage with him. The word says that he knows you right down to the number of hairs on your head. That's, that's pretty detailed. It's crazy to me that he wants to know me. That he wants, excuse me, that he wants me to know him at the same level of detail. And it's overwhelming to think that the God of the whole universe knows me so intimately and he wants me to know him that intimately as well. So, what's the worst date you've ever been on? <laughs> Throw that out there. Um, I've heard of some really bad ones. I've been on a few. I'm thankful not to have that problem anymore. But, you know, when you're feeling kind of bad about your life, there's always Google there to help you out, right? So I've Googled some of the worst date stories, um, and I've narrowed it down to church-appropriate ones. And so here you go. Um, He asked me how many kids I wanted while cutting up a fruit roll-up and called it dessert. Then he took out his fake teeth before trying to kiss me. Um, Dated a guy on a motorcycle. We went to Bo's for dinner, but I had to drive myself because he didn't want girls on his bike. We got a table where he could see his bike, and he only talked about himself and showed me pictures of his bike. And just so you don't think I'm busting on the guys, here's some, here's some bad ones for the girls. Okay. I happily participated in a long conversation about all her interests and hobbies. I asked her endless questions, sharing occasionally one of my own experiences or telling a joke. After a long conversation, I asked her if she wanted to ask me anything about me, and she said no. After that, it was a long, awkward silence. And last but not least... Out on a first date, we're talking about mutual friends, neighbors, family, etc., and lots of the names are familiar. Long story short, I discovered that she was my second cousin. Yay, rural Kentucky. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So why am I bringing up bad dates in the church message about being all in? I think it's because sometimes, if we're honest, we're the bad dates. You know, the God of the universe is pursuing us, and he wants to have a deep, intimate, all-knowing relationship with us. Not because he's seen your picture-perfect social media profile and he's interested, because he really knows you on your good days and bad days. But he, he already knows you completely, and he loves you. He made you. There's nothing you can hide from him. He's your maker. He's the lover of your soul. The word says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Right? He's the mighty God. There's so many amazing names to describe him. But here's the thing. You bear his brands because he made you. And I think if we really were able to get a hold of what that means in our day-to-day, then life may play out a little differently sometimes. You know, there's stages in relationships. You know, when you're getting to know someone, whether it's friendship or romantic dating kind of thing, you know, it's the exchange of information. You know, where are you from? What do you do? What do you like? La, la, la. You know, and here's my story. Here's your story. And it starts there. And then eventually, you know, it shifts into deeper conversation because you've, you've developed some trust, right? And, and you can really go there with that person. So I asked you this morning, what stage of relationship are you in with God today? You know, God is all in when it comes to us. He's withheld nothing, and the Bible says that he will withhold no good thing from you. He doesn't run away when it gets hard. He doesn't put you on the back burner when life gets crazy. You're not his backup plan when his number one can't show. You're everything. You're everything to him. And if you ever notice that in a relationship, you know, as you settle down into those deeper levels of relationship of commitment, first it takes work. Secondly, you realize they're not perfect, right? And the the whatever you want to do, sweetie, becomes some definite preferences, right? We all have preferences. We have food that we like and we don't like, movies that we like and we don't like. Some of you are morning people. Some of you like to sleep in, which is why you're here, second service. 
I had to introduce myself to a lot of the first service people because I'm with you. But some of you like your bacon chewy. Some of you like it crispy like it should be, right? Black coffee, cream sugar. Some of you love the season of pumpkin spice everything. And some of you cannot wait for it to leave. Like we all have preferences, right? And that's good and that's normal and that's okay. But did you ever think of God as having preferences? That you're in a relationship with a God that has preferences. And God has told us his preferences in the word. He prefer about how he wants to be worshipped. How he wants us to show our love for him. How he wants us to make him a priority. And it's not unreasonable for us to have preferences. So it's not unreasonable for him to have preferences. And when you love someone, you love them by their preferences, right? I love Jeremy. And I know that Jeremy despises coconut. I love coconut. If I were going to show Jeremy that I loved him, I would not make him a coconut pie. I shouldn't eat the whole thing because he wouldn't eat it. But if I was going to show him that I loved him, I would give him the middle piece of a freshly baked pan of brownies because I know, see, he's like, look at that face, because I know that's his favorite, right? So if I love him, I'm going to love him and show my love through his preferences. Make sense? Right. Okay, the Bible talks about how to worship God and God's preferences for how we worship. There's lots of Bible verses about how God wants us to display our worship. But it also talks about how God desires the heart of our worship more than the outward expression. Isaiah 29:13 says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. Let's not be a bad date. Let's not just mouth words to God. Not be here in body, but our heart and our emotions and our passions, they're not here. Let's be a people that are passionate about him. I know there's days when I'm just not feeling it, right? We just have those days. But there have been so many times that that's happened. And when that happens, I realize that I'm allowing my preferences, my feelings, my view of my circumstances to be more real to me than the reality of his presence, his power, his love for me. Right? I'm focusing on me. I'm not focusing on him. No one wants to hang out with somebody who's there out of obligation. Their whole demeanor is kind of just disengaged and meh. You know, like the bored teenager scrolling on the phone in the background. Right? Like, I'm here because I have to be. But there's not that engagement. There's not that passionate pursuit to be in a relationship. And, you know, we want others to be glad we're here. And our God is no different. When we come on Sunday morning, it's not about us it's for our benefit but it's not why we're here we need to get past this consumer mindset that we're so intoxicated within our society that it's about us and and push that aside and pursue god you know there's people all around you every day and even today and you probably are one of them that came in heavy and tired and needing god's presence and you know if we cooperatively push into god's presence if we love on him and we praise him and we thank him for the breath he gave us this morning for the clothes to wear to church you know for the gas to get here and that you didn't have an accident in the rain and blah 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 like if we praise him for those little things it changes the atmosphere for us and for others and we push past the mess and we come out better we create a welcome mat with our worship for the holy spirit to come and rest you know worship is his love language We're created to worship, and that's how he wants to be loved. And the beautiful part is when we're all in with our worship, and we lavish our love, and we lavish our praise on him, we get what we need too. You ever notice that? 
because I can't keep my worries and my fear and, and all the distractions and the heaviness when I'm singing with my whole self, when I'm putting my whole self out there in worship to say, God, you're amazing, you're powerful, you're my healer, you're my provider, you're my protector, right? There's an exchange that happens when we're all in. We miss so much of the glory of God because we're sitting there like the bad date waiting to be wowed. You know, you're just waiting for God to wow you, you know. And when I feel like in my experience so often the other, uh, the, the wow is on the other side of my worship, right. Yeah. That, that if I love on him and I keep speaking of his goodness and his glory, that's where we find our wow. It's not healthy in a relationship if one person's doing all the pursuing, right? Nobody wants to be that person, right? So we, we pursue God and he's present back and it's a beautiful exchange. And I get that some of us aren't as expressive as others. I don't think I could talk if I had my hands in my pockets. But, but when you love someone, it leads you out of your comfort zone for them, you know? Like if you have somebody that's, you know, affectionate, you know, there's no problem with just public displays of affection and you're like, uh, you know, it's like when you have those those disagreements, or if you will, in preference, but you love someone, which preference wins? You know, and it can't always be ours. You know, and the Bible re- repeatedly talks about outward expression of worship that pleases the Lord. All in the Psalms, it talks about the lifting of your hands and the lifting of your voices and instruments and, and being all in and singing and dancing and all of these things. And we, you know, we are a church that lifts our hands, and I'm thankful for that. I didn't grow up with that, and this is, this is more my jam. But, you know... <laughs> As we as I explain to people and my kids, you know, why do you why do you lift your hands in worship? And I think there's lots of reasons we could go through lots of scripture about why that is, you know, traditional and biblical and why it's God's preference. But really, it comes down to it's a posture of surrender for me. You know, it's an outward expression that you're greater. Like I'm giving up to you. You know, like when you when you surrender, so you're like, it's all you. You know, um, but it's also it's. For me, it's like a child that's reaching up to their parent. You know, I want to be close to you. I want to be held. I need my daddy right now. You know, like when a kid's excited, you know, they, they jump to their parent or when they're afraid, they go to their parent. You know, it's that, that safety zone. And I think it's that outward expression of connection. And on, that's, that's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. And it's not, it's not a show. It's not a concert. It's an opportunity cooperatively as, the bride of Christ sing our God a love song to thank him for how he has loved on us and provided for us this week. And if you're like me, sometimes you might really get into it and feel sorry for the person in front of you because to hear you sing loudly, but we have to get over it because we're not singing to them, right? They just need to sing louder and drown you out. But we can't get focused on what other people think, you know? For me, I get fired up when Sonia Yancey is entered in, like when she's going in, I am right behind her because she makes it easy. You know, and it's inspiring me. When one person is all in in worship, it creates that space and permission for the Holy Spirit's move. And we all do it together. Then it becomes this mighty river of God's love and his power and his presence. And it makes it easy for people who may not know how to jump in to jump in. But we have to do it together. We have to create that space together. When we come to church, God is calling us here to set aside a time to get to know him, to worship him, to minister to him. The Bible calls us a royal priesthood. So I looked up, you know, what is a priest do? What are the, what's your priestly duty? And a priest ministers to God, offers sacrifice and prayers to God, and serves others. That's our job. That's your job description right there. That's our role in this relationship, to worship him and just to serve him how he said he wants to be worshipped and how he wants us to serve others and to serve him. 
And just as our opening verse said, we have to love God with our whole being and serve others wholeheartedly. I remember a time about a year ago when Darlene Myers was was really sick and she came to church that morning and she probably shouldn't have. But she came anyway and she sat right there and sat right in front of me. And it was um, it was a day where I wasn't really feeling it, if I'm honest. But Darlene was sitting for worship because she was too weak to stand. And when she did try to stand, her oxygen level would drop and she'd have to sit back down. And, I, you know. I was in a season where work was stressful and, and, you know, I was tired and just, it was just not one of those great days, right? And I just wasn't feeling it. I was here in body, but I wasn't, I just wasn't here in spirit. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you can't press in for, for you, press in for her. And it really hit me that I was being the bad date. You know, I was being the bratty kid because she needed something that she physically could not Pressed in to receive. And so it was like, how dare I sit here, you know, be a brat, right? Like God in the middle of my circumstances, God providing for me, God doing this for me, and I'm withholding my praise and I'm preventing my sister from having an atmosphere where she can receive what she came to receive. So I gave it all I had. Maybe it wasn't my favorite song on the worship set that day, but it, it doesn't matter because if I choose to give it my all, it, it's not about me. It's not for me. But it's much easier to press into the presence of God and receive all you need when you're not the only one. So, you know, what if what if we all did it? You know, what what miracles would we see happen here? You know, what what testimonies would would come out of it? Right. It's good for us to praise. It's good for us to release and to let go and give all God all we have. You know, life is hard. And sometimes we come in and, you know, you're that pressure cooker and it's just like like you need to like let the tap out, you know, like let some steam out. Give yourself permission to let go so you have room to receive, right? He wants you to have what you're seeking. But just like in the Old Testament, it takes sacrifice. You know, fortunately, we don't, you know, sacrifice animals up here anymore or anything. But it needs the sacrifice of our time, of our pride, of our emotion. You know, we have to be all in and choose to shut out the distractions. We have to submit our mind, our will, our emotions to the process. And it takes our whole self to do that, to worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. Um, King David was known as the worshiper in Second Samuel chapter 6. The story is where, uh, excuse me, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And for, they're like this big parade and they're like stopping and sacrificing. I think Pastor Mike preached on this a few weeks ago. And, and it was a big, big celebration, a big deal. And verse 14 says, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And as the Ark was, of the Lord was entering the city of David... Michael, daughter of Saul, who was David's wife, watched from a window. As she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Later in the chapter, David returns home to a sarcastic, embarrassed wife. And this is how she greets him. How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. Welcome home, honey. And... um. So David says to her, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, because every good married fight involves in-laws, right? It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Those are some powerful words from someone who's known to be after God's own heart. 
We want more of God, but he wants us to want more because he has more to give. He wants to be known. He wants us to love him because it's good for us, not because he needs the ego boost, right? The Lord is not insecure. He knows who he is. He doesn't need our praise to feel good about himself. It's for us. But being all in means that we have to drop our dignity and our pride and cast off what it might look like to someone else, which creates more room for his glory and power to move in our lives. In, in mine and Jeremy's marriage, one of the things that we've learned is the importance of staying connected emotionally. Um, when we disagree and tensions rise, you know, um, the, there comes usually a point where you feel disconnected, either because of an offense or you're frustrated or whatever. But we've committed that we're stopping it and saying, I want to be connected. And then it's up to the other person to say, I want to be connected. And the conversation doesn't continue until we are emotionally reconnected. And because we've learned that we, we can go through the motions, but there's no power in our relationship when we're not fully connected. It's impossible for you to give your best in any relationship if you're guarded or withholding because you feel disconnected or unsafe. You know, you have to be present. And just like the opening scripture, we have to love with our whole heart and our whole mind. You know, if you had a lamp, that lamp is designed to bring a light. That lamp will never do what it's designed to do unless it's plugged into its power source, right? The same is true for us. Like, we, we are designed to bring a light. We are designed to bring the glory of God to this world. But we're never going to do it if we're not connected to the power source. I'm going to ask um, Sunny and Jeremy to come up. I have just a demonstration that I wanted to show you. I, uh, I used to be um, a ropes course facilitator, and I loved it. And this was one of the things that we would do. So I want you to, and we're going to see it. We're going to see it a few feet apart. Sorry, a little bit. So I want you to imagine they're both on tight ropes. You know, walking on a tight rope is really hard by yourself. But they're going to put their arms up, put your hands up, and lean into each other. So... But if they lean in, and they got to fully lean in, they're supported, and they can take a few steps towards the stage. They can walk and be fully supported. Keep going. Go the other way. So you see, they're leaning in. But if one person says, ah, I'm out, then the whole thing falls apart. Thank you. Does that make sense? But that's how I feel like the Lord wants us to be, like lean in, like lean in with everything. And it's hard, especially if you've had experiences in the past where maybe you feel like God has let you down or other people have let you down, that you want to like kind of be one foot, one hand, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Life is hard, and sometimes it's hard to press in and feel connected to God, but we have to see that God isn't the one making it hard. As I was praying for this message, I felt like there were several things that keep help us that keep us from being all in. And the first is fear. Let me just say to you, God is not the author of fear. He is all you need. You know, when my kids are afraid, the first thing I remind them is that they are safe. And I have it. You know, it's okay. I got it. In your worship, we need to give God all our fears. We need to thank him that he's our provider, that he's our protector, that he's going to meet our needs. That he knows your story and that he still chooses you. Praise him for what he's going to do and reveal to you through the situation you're facing. Maybe it's if you're what others think. We can't, we can't be bound by fear. We can't live your life for other people. But you have, to, you have to ask God to help you move beyond that. You know, only you can give your gift of worship. The worship team can't do it for you. You know, you have to bring your gift. You know, bring your best gift. And we need to ask God to help us to be released from the fear of judgment or opinions of others. You know, when I'm afraid sometimes or I feel lonely, I go back to that same thing that Jeremy and I do. And I say, God, 
I want to be connected. I don't feel you. I want to be connected. And, you know, even when I'm afraid, there have been times when I was younger, I don't think I've done it in a while, but if it helps you, I'll give it to you, is that I would squeeze my hand like somebody's holding it. I would walk around that way just as a reminder. I'm not by myself. You're here. The second is distraction. I find when I'm distracted, you know, just like being afraid is because I feel like I'm in charge, right? Um, I think it's resting on me. And so, like, it's all these to-do lists and this this overwhelming responsibility. And, if, you know, you've got to get it all right. And, you know, I'm going through my to-do list and I'm planning lunch. And I'm distracted by my kids. And I'm distracted because I think my kids are distracting other people. And, it, like, it all snowballs into a mess, right? But life is full of distractions. And if we can push through the distractions here, let it be a training ground for out there, right, where life is full of distractions and we still need to worship in our day-to-day. Right. If we can learn to see more of him in our day to day, then then we'll get farther. Right. There's always going to be those things. But we have to recharge and reload and worship is when we let God be our number one priority. And then the rest falls into place. The third is offense. You know, we've all had hurts. We've all been wounded. And then we build these walls around ourselves because we think it's going to protect us. But really, all it does is shut out what you need to heal. You know, and. Some of us have been hurt, and some of us have been hurt by other Christians, people who are God's ambassadors that should have done a different thing, but they didn't. And, you know, we have to be careful to realize that those people are not God and not shut out the God that they poorly represented because it's not who he is. The Bible clearly speaks about releasing offense and forgiving others who've wronged us. God is their parent, not you. You know, my kids are fighting, and one's trying to correct the other one. I'll be like, stay in your lane. Like, you are not the parent. I will handle it. And, and God often speaks that to us. You know, we just keep looking to him and he let him make it right. But if it's on us, if there's somebody that you've been keeping at arm's length because of an offense, you got to go to them. You know, reconnect that relationship because they're still present in your life for a reason. You need to make it right. The Bible talks about leave, leave your gift and go make it, your, make it right and then come give your, your gift of worship. The last is the weight of your future. You know, sometimes I feel like we go through seasons that are just consuming. And these, I think, are what I would call breaking seasons. You know, maybe God is breaking something in you. You know, things that have run in your family line for generations. But God is saying this is where it runs out. But you have to do the work. You have to do the work of partnering with him to break it. And it's just exhausting and it's heavy. And I want to encourage you just to keep pressing in if you feel that way. Because the Lord is forming a new path with you, right? It's, it's a lot of work to forge a new path. But, you know, you're pulling generations behind you. Generations that are not going to know the pain that you have felt. Generations that are not going to experience what you have experienced. But you've got to do the work and you've got to push in to break those things, right? Yeah. And there are some of us that just feel like you've been building a foundation and it's just the, there's no fruit yet and I'm just working and it's nothing. I see nothing. But I feel like the Lord would say to you, it's because the faith of your yesterday can't bear what he's building in your future. Yeah. So just keep pouring out, keep pouring out, keep trusting, keep pursuing. Even when it's hard, there's a purpose. I remember Brenda talking about God speaking to her about emotions and how emotions we're supposed to be a conversation starter, not a stopping place, you know, that feel it long enough to give it to him. Don't sit and waller in it, but start the conversation. You know, God, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? And he let him speak and let it be a conversation. I would say the same thing about your worship. You know, don't let your emotions hit the pause button, but rather the play button on your praise. A couple of weeks ago, I had a really 
hard day at work and got some news that was really devastating and it was just it was I was you know there was fear and there was disappointment and just it was one of those times where you you know like I wanted to run away throw something through a window and lay on the floor and throw a fit all at the same time I don't know if anybody's ever had one of those days but it's great um but instead I remembered what what Brenda said and the Lord was kind enough to remind me what I was preaching today. So I want to be somebody who practices what I preach literally. And so I turned on worship music and I just I let it all out. I said, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. This hurts. I'm afraid. Like, but I'm all in. I'm all in because you're worth it, because I trust you, because I believe you are who you say you are, because you, I am who you, you say I am, because you're my provider. You're making a way. You, you called me to this. I'm not backing up. You have a plan. I don't know what it is, but I need my daddy right now, and I praise you because you're not going to let me down. You're not going to run away. You're not going to leave when it gets hard. You're going to get it right, and I praise you that you always have intentions to bless me, and I just let it all out, and it was it was a gory, snotty, teary mess, and I'm glad nobody else saw it, but I know that it was beautiful to him, and it was what I was supposed to do. In Psalm 51:17, it says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, O God, do not despise. In the natural, you would never give someone a gift that's already broken, but the word says that's what he wants. So don't wait until you're all together to be all in, right? Let's be made whole in his presence together. Lastly, I just really believe God loves unity among his kids and the way that we serve each other wholeheartedly. Let's honor and love God by our unity. Let's be a safe place for each other. We need to be a safe landing zone, a place that's more than, how are you? Good. Hi. Bye. Fine. Have a nice week. You know what I mean? It's got to be more than that. And, um, Second shameless plug. Life groups are a great place for that to happen. We need to be connected. We need to put ourselves out there. You know, God has called us to a mighty task. This week actually marks the halfway point in our building project. And the building project isn't just so we can say, look at our awesome building and be more comfy and cozy in it. It's not about that. It's about what God wants to do in this place through us. But we have to be connected. You know, if we're a net that's all ratty and torn because we're not deeply connected with each other, we're not going to be strong enough to pull in the harvest that he has for us. Does that make sense? So I challenge you today. Sit with somebody new at fellowship meal. You know, start a conversation. Get to know each other. Learn how you can pray to eat for each other. Get in a life group. We need each other. We were made to need each other. And it pleases the Lord when we get to know each other and love each other. Um, um, Mike sent me, there was a God story Susan Isbell uh, submitted where she went in the kitchen and she said the caretaker of J.D.'s mother was was hurting and stomach was really in pain and was doubled over a sink and and she stepped out of her comfort zone and she said can I pray for you and she did the lady said yes and she prayed for her and immediately all the lady's symptoms were gone and she was healed you know you have to be willing to step out and and take that risk you know because it you might be like well uh can I no I don't want to like put God on the hook and I don't want to put myself out there, but we have to, that's what we're made to do. We have to be all in. Um, you know, if you want a complete picture of God, you got to get to know his kids because we all reflect God differently. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Um, and we're going to sing one more song together. The front is open. If you need more space, um, if you need prayer, whatever it is, we're here, but let's go for it. Let's be a team that leaves it all out on the field. We're not going to hold back. You know, if you want to experience God's presence like never before, then worship 
like never before. This is a safe place, and God is here to meet your every need. If you need prayer, we're here to pray. If you're sick, we believe God wants to heal you. Whatever it is that you need today, it's right on the other side of your worship. I promise you. So let's be all in, body, mind, heart, and soul.